and gentlemen, we are down to the last mile. And as they say, the final stretch is the hardest part of what really wasn't a race. Uh, I don't think we knew where we were going with this when we began, but uh, the end is in sight. In fact, uh, this is this is we're going to be covering today the last event that we held as Inspire Pro, and it will probably be the last. This is actually this this show is the last Inspire Pro show ever. In fact, when we return, we will be under the newly minted mantle of inspire ad you know we kind of we kind of decided to change things up and shake the blanket out just just following the whole call out movement to start anew to start fresh you know it's still familiar it's still inspire but it's inspire ad uh we just kind of wanted to give give the company a, a different image and uh not necessarily disassociate, but just kind of show people that we were moving forward along with the business that we hope is also moving forward. Uh, we're still in the midst of this pandemic, though. Are you going to say something? Are you just are you what are you for Klimt? You just over here like like crying yourself, oh, yeah. nodding your head. Bis, they, they can't hear you yeah. solemnly nodding, man. Yeah. It, it's uh, I don't know. I don't I don't think the uh, final stretch is the hardest part. I think after the finish is is honestly the hardest part here well um, i personally just say that the last few miles are the hardest part because it's kind of bittersweet you know yeah. um I, i'm pretty sure this is the end of this program um there may be a few scattered firesides uh here or there but for the time being <clears throat> as a regular ongoing program that you listen to weekly uh it's it's this is pretty much it and to me that's that's kind of it's yeah. kind of a it's a it's a dour thing, you know. Yeah, you know, more than more than a year, you know, and um, definitely it started as kind of, hey, we'll fill in the time with this. This would be a cool thing that we can re-explore. I remember even thinking about these shows, the the last few shows, and being like, well, what what's the cutoff? Like, what's the cutoff where we go? Okay, we don't want to talk about that because that's too new. Yeah. Hell, this is this is going to be two years old by the time we come back. Yeah. You know, um, so. Because I think there there definitely is there's a certain level of behind the scenes that that doesn't need to be really exposed. Like but, what? Well, like in the moment, <laughs> like we we don't need to break down booking meetings before the show, right? No, like, that's, that's like there's a level of that. Yeah, that's boring. Um, though. But um, but yeah, at the, at the same time, like all of this is uh is you know historically relevant relevant. Um, and then there's been time to reflect on it to actually give real fucking breakdown of it, which I, is crazy to me. I, I think I also that it would go that long. Yeah, I, I also think that with uh, time, you tend to give less of a fuck. You I know, that too. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, feel, I feel like when we first began talking about a lot of this stuff, you were very um, I think there was some perhaps trepidation on your part regarding how far back we ought to yank the veil or what, who we should call out, what we should talk about. I know that, you know, yeah. you seemed, you seemed a little, uh, a little tense about things, but I feel like as the show went on, you, you seem to be okay with talking shit, so to speak. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, yeah. Who, well, who to call, I guess that does, I guess there are certain people that I was, um, 
cautious about calling out. I think once you realize that nobody was really yeah. listening, that it was okay. Yeah, it was fine. No, it was seriously. Fine. I mean, people listen to this. We see the numbers, so we know that there are people out there actually listening well, to the show. But it's not the it's not the people that like. Oh, it is. <laughs> oh, you think so? Oh, I, I've I've gotten comments from some of them. Oh yeah, who's who's been mad? No one's really been mad. That's the that's sort of the thing that opens it up. Like as long as it's honest, and I think it's it's valid. Um, I think it's hard for people to to really get too mad. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but here we are, still wallowing in the pandemic. <laughs> uh, you uh, you you entered my domicile this morning. Uh, as the bearer of, uh, I don't want to call it bad news, uh, it's news, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, regarding the passing of a certain individual uh, who uh, has passed of COVID. Yeah. Sort of an, uh, I don't want to call him a linchpin, but he was a staple of certain promotions here in Texas uh, in the early 2000s. Is that, yeah, big, is that fair to say? Big part of, um, big part of the, my first year. Yeah. Um, uh, a formative character. Very much so. Uh, and a legitimately terrifying person, too, if I may say. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's weird to hear me say that phrase, or hear that phrase. Which one? Uh, a legitimately terrifying person. You don't think he was scary? No, cause I, because of the way that I knew him. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, like the ideas behind him are terrifying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like um the weird or the we well I, at this point we're, we're speaking of Jacob Ladder of course yeah who is who um, has recently passed uh, yeah. due to COVID so, um, which is uh, you know it's unfortunate um, yeah the, the weird like um, I haven't really kept up with him but I kind of pegged it when he walked in I said oh was he a denier anti-vaxxer at all and he said yeah and you said I, yeah I think so I, I mean it, I, I hadn't really kept up either honestly I think he blamed the government yeah, I, I think I did see some of that stuff. Okay. Um, but yeah, like um, like the rumored KKK type stuff and the um, you he, know the he was fuck a, God tattooed on his knuckles and and like he's a pro, he was a problematic individual. The satanic stuff, yeah. Um, the idea of yeah, but like I also like rode in a car with this guy long enough to like get an idea that you know it it wasn't. Now some of it absolutely was, but like he wasn't the uh, the bite people's head off badass that he presented himself to be. Well, that's obviously part of the gimmick, but he was yeah. definitely somebody that I did not want angry at me. <laughs> it's just it's funny. I mean, because we've been we've been we're I think we're both dead set on the fact we're we're looking dead set at at this last show of ours. And there have been all these weird uh, false starts for us in terms of coming back and running a show. And I think that recently we decided, I decided personally that we're not going to come back like we had been before. Uh, if anything, we may uh, explore an iPay-Per-View route um, and really present wrestling in a way that you've never seen before. I know Biss was not super stoked on some of the ideas that I couched, but... We'll get yeah. to that. We'll get to that. We'll do our we'll get, we'll get thing. by it, you know? Yeah, we'll do our um, But it's like, at this point, I'm just... I'm so tired of it. Yeah. I just want people to just... Man, can y'all just get vaxxed? Mm -hmm. It's not a big deal. You know, like... And, and also, like, 
you know, most of the shit y'all are putting in your, your body, like aspartame, <laughs> like whatever. The, uh, first of all, people who go on and on about the FDA being some clear-cut authority, the FDA is corrupt as shit. Okay, I don't give a. F I, I really, honestly, don't give a fuck. Just look at the people that are putting the vaccine out. Read what you can. Make the decision that you feel is best for you. But if you're not going to take that shit, at least put a fucking mask on, you clowns. It ain't hard. This is the funny part to me. Like, there's huge corporations that have lots of money online that are requiring their employees to get the vaccination. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, follow the money. <laughs> yeah. Like, if it was a bunch of bullshit, they wouldn't be spending money to legally make sure that you were vaccinated. No, because so they don't... get sick and they would lose money. They don't care about people. They care about workers. <laughs> they care... I mean, yeah. they care about... They care about having their ants moving the cycle yes. along, you know? And to, that, to them, that, like, the loss of life uh, <laughs> amounts basically to uh, loss of revenue. And that's yeah. all they really care about, the bottom yes. line. They don't care about human beings. They care about their product getting out. Of, of their factories. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man. Let's just... I wish people would just, like... Can we just, like... <sighs> can we just do this thing? Yeah. I'll just get together. Let's just beat this thing like maybe our ancestors yeah. would have done. Like, gung-ho and stop being so fucking selfish. Maybe that. Y yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we, we're probably... We'll, we'll, you'll eventually hear something from us. Hopefully soon. We're trying to bring some new people into the fold. Um, to work on a just a different iteration of this because the thing that I'm terrified of is building more infrastructure and then having another wave just knock it all back down. So whatever we do, I want it to be pandemic proof where if simply because another spike occurs, we don't have to cancel anything. You know what I mean? We'll still function. There will still be a show and you can sit at home and you can watch us. And I think, I think that'll be... Um, That'll be that'll be beneficial for everybody. I also feel like, you know, one of the things you commented on recently was how you obviously there would be no crowd in my, you know, and the iteration that's in my head. Yeah. And you were very much like, I've seen all this crowdless wrestling, brother. And I think the thing is, is that I think it can be done and I think it can be done well and feel OK. But I think the thing that you have to do is you have to reapproach how you actually film wrestling. Um it's one thing to do stupid cinematic uh, gimmicks. It's another thing to actually be cinematic in how you film wrestling. Um, I think when you have a lot of empty seats on camera, it's a, it's a it's a bad look, and I think it's an even worse look when you have forty people in in, uh, in the uh, seats. You know, it, it, and I'm not going to broadcast them on this thing, but there there are examples of how it can work. But we we'll put our heads once we get to that point. We'll put our heads together and we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's get into the final ecstasy of gold, which occurred, I believe, in January of 2020. That's what I hear. Yeah. That's the rumor. Yeah, that's the rumor. Yeah. <laughs> our, our one and only January 2020 show, which which uh, we'll get to the, the story behind that, too. So. Yeah. Um, this, was, uh, this was the big... Double shot weekend with GCW. Yeah. 
So, so we were kind of sharing some talent that was still in town. Um, I, I, I was kind of bummed out that we didn't get to do a, a, a proper GCW meets inspire type show that was branded yeah. as such. GCW uh, really wanted to present a GCW show, a pure GCW show, which I, I could have appreciated. But I felt like considering that they were in our backyard, I thought our show could have been the GCW meets inspire pro uh yeah, it just um. So the only, originally it was right. Yeah. And just the financials of that were incredibly skewed towards GCW. Like we would have lost our ass mm-hmm. the, the way that they presented it. Um. So, and I I called them on that. I don't know if you remember that, but yeah. I was like, hey, this does not work for us. We do not have the, the infrastructure to make. Um, not even make money, just break even off of this setup, you know? And uh, that's where this kind of uh, evolved to, was the, uh, they come in one weekend and we come, or they come in one day and we come in the, the next. Um, I, I was disappointed in the, I think you alluded to it, but I was disappointed in the amount of Texas talent that was on that show. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, I think Starks got on. Um, I just... I think that it made little sense to come here. <laughs> and just run, I mean, a, run uh, a show that you can run in Atlantic City. Y- yeah, it's yeah. just like, what you know, what's the point of being in Texas if there's not going to be any Texas flavor? There were obviously people in this state who were worth a damn that, that could have, uh, you know, popped something or done something yeah. special on the show. Well, let's, let's touch on a few. Um, oh, first, uh, Dylan Dunbar supplied the ring for them. Yeah. And supplied the ring. Uh, Would have supplied it free of cost he just wanted them to use Ruben's deal yeah you know uh, Ruben worked for us a little bit but Ruben was like a linchpin of heavy metal where, where which Dylan Dunbar runs if you don't know um, and it, it was just like automatically shot down like here's a guy willing to do a death match for you basically for free yeah you know and like just to kind of stick your nose up and be like no we're not interested you know was, was kind of off-putting um, and the other one would, for us would have been Steve Arino. You know, yeah. Steve had that great match with Joey. Um, Steve did all the things to to be like in their in their sights, and for him to show up and 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 help out, and then just not be used was kind of I I I felt like it was a little bit of a slap in the face to to Steve, and then also to us. You know? I think I think when you come into somebody's backyard, which you know, it is, I, I oftentimes shit on the old guard for their, uh, their you know, Planet of the Apes type laws, which I think are pretty arbitrary for the most part. But I, I do think there's something to be said for when you come into somebody's backyard, you have to kind of respect them. Yeah. And I, I didn't really feel like there was a lot of respect here. I felt like there was perhaps some... Uh, I don't know how you put this. I'm trying to p- put it delicately. I feel like we were being tolerated in our own living room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and, and that really bummed me out. I feel like if you come into somebody's area, especially in a building that you pretty much like found or helped establish that you should be a little bit more enthusiastic about, I don't know, doing what you can to help the market or the promotion that you're basically aligning with, well, you know, maybe, maybe it's sort of like these big corporations that just fuck everybody over. That's how they became big corporations. Maybe that's how you become the, uh, 
at that level that they've come to. I don't fucking know. How how did that show draw? Uh, I think it drew a little bit more than what we draw. Yeah. You know? It was pretty pretty on the line. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, it was almost entirely fly-ins, you know? Yeah. Um, Which I think is not a good look, necessarily. It's sort of like when AAW was here and they had Penta on their show. Yeah. And, and they had, like, 100 people in the show. Yeah, you know? It's, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's better to work together, I think. I don't think I don't think it would have made when people de- when people come to our town and they decline to actually work with us in a way that gives gives us any sort of voice or prominence. First of all, I would have honestly been cool with them coming in for the night and us doing the day show so that we just both ran on the same day. I would have done that. Yeah. I have no problem admitting that we we're like, you know, we would be second fiddle in any conversation about promotions that GCW is involved in. You know, they are clearly a, they, they are game changer, you know, yeah. and we're inspire, you know? Um, but locally, I think we kind of, um, we have some sway, we have some clout. Um, I don't know. I just, I was really bummed out by, by how that all went, I, I didn't feel like there was much of a collaboration. Like I said, I felt like, I felt like he was just kind of in the in the corner, just being like, "Yeah, whatever." Texting the whole yeah. time, wasn't looking at our guys. No. Didn't give a shit about the show. Didn't give a fuck about like creative. Didn't give a fuck about anything. Yeah, and I didn't even know why he was there. You know, I'm like, yeah. okay. Um, and, and yeah, like that type of thing also bummed me out that we we missed it when um when the Texas promotions ended up having that weekend in San Antonio, you know, where they had the four different shows in the same building over two nights. Um, like, I think those, those events are, are cool and they're, they're cool tentpole events for the scene. Right. Um, but yeah, even AAW, if they had come in and, and worked with us, you know, um, I'm sure we could have helped out to make sure that the shit that happened with the building didn't happen, you know? We would have been there to, to like look after those small details and make sure that shit was was being uh, taken care of. But you know, when you're just coming in and, and fucking using the Airbnb, like what what the fuck do you care at the end of the day? You know. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, that that was sort of the disappointing part of it, and um, you know, I guess we have to talk about it because it's part of it. Um. TJ had also negotiated the WrestleMania weekend show for the, the Texas showcase show. So that was sort of tied into like some of this business as well. Um, which I'm, I'm not entirely that, sure. Yeah, that, that all fell apart. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure that that wasn't like the driving <clears throat> force to like try to work with GCW. Maybe, um, maybe, maybe he meant well, I yeah. don't know. Well, you know, I think, yeah, I think they were like one of the hottest things going, and um, he, this 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 weekend was a big driving force that TJ had. Yeah. Right. Um. So and I mean it was a good, it was a good idea because they were the one of the hottest things going at the time. I guess they still are, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not. Shows. I'm not. I'm definitely not trying to hang anything on anybody what? other than the fact that I felt like. Yeah. Um, the attitude was not exactly uh, to the benefit of of either company that weekend. You yeah. know what I mean? To, to cut to the cut to the chase, like all that out on the table. Um, what this did was, I felt we also struggled to potentially get any GCW talent 
uh, that they might have uh, that could have been unique to our show. I felt like we got kind of shot, shot down on a lot of ideas that we had that we wanted yeah. to do, and which was weird. I felt like he, it was very much clear that like he did not want to share too much. Yeah. So we end, we basically were able to use guys independently and get them at a discounted rate just because they happen to be in town more than we had any real share going on. It, so we also, we have this card that we're putting together with our normal um, crew, right? But then we have all these options that usually aren't available to us. So putting this card together involved picking those pieces out that, um, that we could use, right? And then, you know, also marrying it with what we were doing on a show-in, show-out basis, which I think really kind of you'll see throughout this entire card. So here's something interesting. Uh, Effie wasn't on the GCW card. No. He was, but he was on our card. Yeah. Uh, Effie was somebody that we had been trying to work with for quite some time. Uh, Effie, of course, at this moment is, I believe, the current Game Changer champion. Is that correct? I, one of them, one of them, they have like a, they have like a, a, they have a few different belts. They have like a deathmatch belt and then they have like a GCW belt. Well, which belt does he have? I, th- I think he even has like Cardona's weird yeah. action figure belt. He, or something. Yeah. One of the issues I had with respect to putting the title on Ricky Starks wasn't necessarily that it was Ricky. It was just the idea that the timing was bad. I knew Ricky was uh, on to bigger and better things. But also, like, who do you put Ricky up against? Like, especially because, frankly, he had problems with Steve Arena, who was kind of a perfect foil at that at that point in time. They had real legitimate heat that we were trying to build up, but that legitimate heat also kind of... Uh, put us in a corner with respect to Ricky not wanting to have anything to do with Steve-O, even on a, you know, business level, you know? Um, so we really struggled with who we wanted to put in a match with Ricky. We felt it had to be somebody special, somebody big. Um, my fix for the previous show was to put him in a match with three of the Super Academia students who had a connection to Ricky via Albert ACH. Uh, we had actually tried to get Effie for that show, I believe. We yeah. were we were initially going to try and put put them together as uh you know the main event of a big you know uh, of a big first title defense and I believe Effie couldn't make it but pitched that he could come in the next the, yeah. for the next event and so here we are and uh, it's kind of uh it's kind of ironic that uh, JCW was in town but Effie wasn't there for them but he was on our show yeah um and yeah that's that that was kind of funny how that went uh. But that, that it was it was really great to work with Effie here. Yeah, and this is um, you know uh, sabotage has brought him in a few times, so we were able to see him there. Um, I really appreciate how he handled his business and how he promoted himself. Really, really kind dude. Yeah, and well, and just from a business aspect, like retweeted everything that we put out. You know, he goes to work, man. Post, yeah, like, put, did his own promos to promote the show. Um, that stuff goes a long way. Like, yeah. I think it gets more attention now, but it really goes a long way. If I'm going to be spending money on a flight, a hotel, and whatever your fee is, if you're just going to, if that money's going to go into the void, it's one thing versus if someone else is just going to do the simple thing of retweeting anything we put out to their fan base, like 
and I have to pick one or the other, like it's going to go to the guy that's going to help promote. You know? I, I feel like, uh, yeah, and and considering that, <clears throat> I, I think MJF was the same way. Yep. Like for for all the problems I had with how he conducted his his uh, outro um, with us. The thing that I really loved about MJF was that he was this this heel who was in maximum overdrive, okay? But the thing is, is that he made himself look as if he was dominating the independent wrestling scene. He made it about himself. Like, yeah. he always retweeted your shit, and he would say, I'm going to own this, and I'm going to own this. And the way that he looked at it was great. As opposed to other people who would heal on you in the past, they'd, like, you know, you'd have a heel working for you, and they'd talk about how shitty your company was. And it's like, that doesn't sell anybody on yeah. anything. But, you know, the way that Effie and the way that MJF conduct themselves, it was really about their visibility and the platform of, like, whatever a company could provide and how, what they could do for the company. Like, Effie being on our show was infinitely helpful and it really helped our profile. And he was a, a wonderful human being to work with. I'm, I'm just getting heat, brother. All the while, like, fucking, you're, all your fans have no interest in checking our show out now. So, thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, you want to dive into this card? Yeah, man. Uh, at this point, so, you know, we are still doing the dark match thing. And so, uh, you know, it was my idea to kind of have action going on as people were filtering into their seats you know the match starts just as just just as the doors open you know so people hear the bell ring and they're scrambling to get to their seats to me that was always really important you want people there early you know you always promote a big opening match on the main card but the idea that there's a match going on really got people in the door and sitting down a lot faster i thought so i think psychologically it did pay off i don't know if we'll do that again but uh, personally, I, you know, I thought it, I thought it worked. Um, but yeah, anyway, the, the opening match was, was with uh, Clay Roberts, who I thought was kind of a, a revelation. Yeah. Um, um, he went on to do the, uh, the Pure Rules tournament with uh, Ring of Honor. Yeah. Um, Just a fantastic, I was really surprised. I mean, I, I had met him and I thought he was like a, a really sweet guy. But then when I saw him work, uh, it was I was I was like, wow, this guy can go. Um, this was an interesting match because Aaron Mercer from Heavy Metal, along with uh, Great Scott, Scotty San Santiago, were actually supposed to open this 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 show. Um, but then uh, Aaron was injured. So Clay coming in was kind of a last minute substitute. Not that there's a lot of fanfare around the dark match. We do promote it. But um, this is just it's kind of like it's kind of like, you know, a, a little parsley on the plate. Yeah. It's like, oh, it, this is a special attraction to get people in the door. This faster. was def definitely a style that I, I know I was. Um, and I, I don't know if if you just kind of placated me to put it into these or no. if you were interested, too. But this was definitely a style that I thought was growing and that we could um, really kind of um, promote and have something with a little bit of like special flavor. No, I really no, I really had. At the time, I was really looking at Scotty Santiago coming back. He'd really grown. His time in Mexico had really, I thought, paid off. He'd been doing uh, hellaciously good work in heavy metal at the time. Um, a lot of people are really only familiar in Texas with Scotty via uh, ACW in his early uh, days and uh, some of the work that he did with us. Um, but Scotty has really grown. The dude is an encyclopedia. He's a pure athlete and he's a very pure wrestler technically, which I, I thought was really exciting. And so at the time I, I had things kind of popping off in my head where I thought, mm, I'd really love to do like a, a like a 
strong style or pure uh, pure wrestling faction led by Scotty because I thought we could have really pushed Scotty into this really uh, really unique heel uh, position. And he has like his personality mm-hmm. kind of matches with that weird amateur wrestling. He's really like Midwest. Scotty is funny because he's he's got a great sense of humor, but he's also like very stiff. Yeah. Like in terms of just his personality, he's very like he's very dry, but he's funny as shit. Yeah, um, he's a really great guy to work with. And I feel, I feel like he kind of matured pretty well, like also in the time that we'd had a part. So <clears throat> I think we you and I were kind of on the, the, the same page. I, I, there were people that I was like thinking I'd love to see him partnered perhaps with uh, Killa Kate, for example. And there were other people like, who do you think fits this this mold right now that's wrestling in the Texas scene? Right now, yeah. There, there's Scotty. Uh, Killer Kate is definitely one that comes up there. Um, Aaron Mercer is definitely doing this style quite a bit right now. Um, Clay Roberts, again, has come up. I think that might have been our stable right yeah. there. <laughs> um, I think, honestly, I think that uh, Clay and Scotty here... This was supposed to be, like, I guess, the impetus for them teaming up eventually to create this stable. I think that's what we were going for. In fact, this might have even been a three-way where Aaron Mercer was supposed to be involved but had to drop out. Yeah. Um, but it, my, my recollection is, is hazy. Uh, at, but after that, um, we have a, a fairly big moment. Uh, this was, of course, the big opener. We always try to do the big opener with a lot of flair and... Uh, in this instance, I got I got to kind of book what was for me a dream match between two guys that I think have a lot in common. Um, at the time, we were doing a lot of stuff with the cool, and Will Allday was all night and fucking day. Yeah, just just he's a star, you know. He is an incredible athlete. Um, of course, he's also a guy who has a drama background, so he brings that element of uh, of uh, theatrical performance that really. Uh, gets a character over or across to an audience, um, so he's got he's got a little actor in him, which you know really appealed to me. But also his matches are just he's insane. He's he just you know he he pulls things out of his hat that uh, that are really exciting, really make the the crowd pop. Um, in fact, we'd had a match previously uh, where. It was like a battle royal that came down to Will all day and T Ray, and I think Will, Will had had very limited exposure to our crowd, but at the end of that match, that that battle royal, it came down to almost like what felt like a singles match, and people were chanting both uh, T Ray and Will all day, and it felt like we were really at the precipice of this new age where we had these two really dynamic stars in T Ray Watford and Will all day, and we had things just kind of mapped out from there. Of course, the map has since burst into flames, <laughs> but I think you know if we're able to, these are both guys I really want to work with, yeah. and uh, working with Will though also kind of put me in mind of someone that we had reminded you of somebody reminded me of somebody uh, and it was somebody that we actually hadn't seen in quite some time at this point um uh, and that person was matthew palmer um matt had been going through some some uh, health stuff some personal stuff he had been with his wife uh, ember moon at the time so he'd been kind of out of state for a while and then i guess around this point they were moving back to Texas because she had moved up to the main roster. Yeah. Yeah. He had, um, 
they had been back in Dallas for a little bit, but this yeah. was our first chance to uh, to use him in Texas. Yeah, I feel like when I saw Matt, he was uh, he was a he was he was looking really good, like physically. He he had kind of put on some muscle mass. Um, he had been working toward dialing down his style so that he could kind of preserve himself a little bit better. He'd had some yeah. pretty excruciating back issues. He, I think at one point he had scoliosis as a kid. So he, his spine is not, is, is, is it's, it's a, it's a little damaged. It's yeah. used so to speak. Um, so he, there was a, there was a point in time where he was going through some stuff that he thought was going to really impact him, uh, physically in a way that would put him on the shelf permanently. So I was happy to see that he was like kind of taking time off, working out, working on working a style that would keep him around for a while. Um, but I also thought when I when I would see Will all day, I would kind of it sometimes make me miss Matt. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is and you know, there was sort of a, a good break, too. So, like, you know, it's the old adage, like how can they uh, want you back if you, if you never leave. Right. So Matt had, uh, had taken that time off to, to get his body right. So this was that beautiful moment where like he comes out as the surprise opponent and the crowd just goes fucking wild. Um, so some people have asked us like our, our, you know, favorite reactions and that I can't off the top of my head list them, but these are the type that we fucking live for, you know, when, um, when something like this happens, it reminds me sort of when when um, Angelus Lane came back, and just you know how the house joyous people, yeah. people were. People the, were yeah. just joyous to have Matt back. And the other cool thing in this match is it, it you know, it's like um, it's the eternal struggle. We have Roxy and Dan on opposite sides of a a feud. Again. Absolutely. This this was presented as an open challenge. Will was putting out an open challenge, so. Uh, we didn't advertise Matt. So when Matt stepped through, big reaction. And, uh, man, I was happy to just have Matt back in the building, to just yeah. to have him around. He's just like a really pleasant, sweet guy. And while sometimes we've kind of butted heads on stuff, it's never been to the point where we don't like each other. It's just more of a low-key frustration that you have with siblings, you know? <laughs> that's, that's how it always felt. But uh, I was really excited to put these two guys in the ring together because I felt like they both knew how to tell a story in a more theatrical way. They... Uh, they both have they both have a theater uh, background. In fact, I think I think it was Matt on the fireside talked about how at one point he was traveling around in a van for some Christian troupe of of actors, and they were putting on shows in at local churches and stuff. But you know, <laughs> but yeah, they both had they both have this same sort of like charisma, I think, um, and they both have uh, the ability to tell a great story, and they both have actor in them and so i was really excited to see what these guys would do and i think one of the best parts too of the match was we actually got some physical interaction between roxy and dan yeah um that people that made people go nuts like people <laughs> blew up for that but what was really great about that too was that it kind of took some of the the pressure off matt to perform like he yeah. it allowed him some space but it also gave the audience more of something and this it was it was a great moment when, I, I think we also had we had the ability to come back to this if we wanted to, which was, was always good. You know, well, there was, there was stuff left on the table that they could have a, a match two or a match three, which is, you know, you always want. Yeah. 
absolutely. So, yeah, this is a this was this was a banger. This was a great match. It was a uh, it was all more in just the attitude and the characters and how they uh, sold and, and delivered stuff. But it wasn't like there was no insane bump. Yeah, you know, to the match. But it so like. We always like when it's like Claxton and fucking Jake Deard, and it's always like, oh, this is a best match. I think this is a max match. This is definitely max max match. It's very very character driven. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this was um, this was a hot ass opener, and I think it really started to open up uh, the possibilities for what we could do between Dan and Roxy as feuding stables. Um, and there were a lot of things that we were going to build up at this time from here, and Matt was a big part of that coming back. Um, and I hope he'll still be a part of whatever we do going forward. I feel like Matt, I know for a fact that Matt and Ricky Starks were two of the reasons why I started Inspire with you. These were the two guys that I really wanted to showcase. And so I feel like even though Matt wasn't there from day one, it took some coaxing to get him into the company. Eventually having him be a part of the fabric of whatever we do is pretty essential. That's my, that's my opinion anyway. Um, I know, I know. I know Biss hates me. No, no, I'm kidding. I, I can I'm care less about that yeah, guy. Yeah. Pain in my ass. <laughs> anyway, uh, after that, we have a gauntlet match that was set up uh, at the last show where Steve-O came out to kind of chide Ricky into giving him a rematch, but that wasn't going to happen. And we knew that Ricky was destined to leave us pretty soon, and we knew that Ricky didn't want to work with Steve. Uh, so we kind of... Having, having Ricky aligned with these three characters kind of gave us a weird bumper between Ricky and Steve. It'll, it'll, it allowed us to kind of, you know, continue the feud. He, he's feuding with Ricky without having to wrestle Ricky. Yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah, it, it was kind of like a, it was like a remote feud. It was, yeah. you know. <laughs> were, I mean, this is, this was fairly challenging, but I mean. I think it worked I, out. I how we navigated it was pretty yeah. good. Yeah. So in this, I mean, he came out uh, after the title match at the last show, which was Ricky defending against uh, Joe, Mark and, and Adam. And uh, he basically shit on all those guys, all of whom he, he kind of had a hand in training behind the yeah. scenes. Uh, and I think he even touched upon that publicly during his promo. But this set up the gauntlet match where basically Steve-O would... Uh, would wrestle uh, these guys, and they all did promo work for this uh, leading up to the, yeah. the to the show, and the, the promo work was great. But I think no one really stood out as much as Prince Adam. Yeah, Prince Adam just has something in his belly that is just burning, and uh, his you know we this planted seeds. You know, I think we all always plan for uh, Stevo to kind of come back around to getting that pure prestige title and of course this would have given him an opportunity to have down the road some challengers that had some uh history with him um and yeah so anyway steve-o steve-o goes out there he's going to wrestle these guys you know in a gauntlet style match and at first he goes through mark champion uh he struggles to get over on prince adam whom you know he does pin and then he kind of has to take a dirtier route to get past joe tomorrow which sets up some interesting stuff there because he doesn't, he doesn't legit beat him. He no, he, you know, he has to, uh, it's a little shady, right? Yeah, it's definitely a little um, shady. And, and I mean, I think Joe, Joe at this point, it looks kind of like the shining star. But I, I think Joe's gonna be great. Don't take me wrong. But I think there's a lot to Adam. Adam is the guy. Adam is like my my guy. Yeah. Like I'm like I'm all 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 in on Prince Adam. But this it told us because like I think. 
I think Prince Adam is the guy in this particular match that takes everything out of Steve-O and really forces him to have to take a shortcut on uh, on Joe. But Prince takes Prince Adam takes him to the to the to the mountain. Um, after this, we have an interesting match which we've been setting up for the past several events. It is a Lawless Darkness 2020 Hardcore Elimination six-way match. Um, and we have uh, Dmitry Alexandrov, who had been doing a lot of hardcore work at the time. And uh, we, uh, we, we had been planning this. Like, he'd been, he'd been rubbing elbows with people who were, who were coming in who had more of a hardcore reputation. Uh, we had Alabama, who uh, I had uh, huge plans for. <laughs> but Ali had also just done the death deathmatch tournament uh, down south uh, where it was kind of like a co-promoted Inspire heavy metal event. And Allie went fucking berserk down there and came out looking like... She had a big showing. Yeah, big I mean... I, were... I still hope to maybe do a, a, a fireside with me and, uh, and Dunbar if I can get him out of his... Uh his reclusive state yeah right now yeah uh, we also had blake christian uh ethan price was in this along with cody lane who was the current lawless darkness champion and of course we have another big return here someone oh, yeah. whom like you know for as for as much as people shit on uh on the character um is someone who people ask us about routinely. Of course, I'm speaking none other of none other than the Great Depression. So the Great Depression makes his return here. Uh, I'm not going to go into who was under the hood because I like to kind of guard that. <clears throat> but oh, now we're keeping things secret. Yeah, for now I think because the character is <laughs> the character is still alive and well, right? I'm fucking. So we kind of I know you shut up, man. I'm talking. Anyway. Um, you got to. We got the hood on him now. I think once the hood, once if if someone moves out from under the hood, then then we'll talk about it. Okay, but anyway, um, yeah. The the idea here was to kind of pair the Great Depression up with Alabama, who I always kind of thought I thought she was great, man. Uh, she could go. Really pleasant person to be around backstage. Uh, had a real wicked streak to her, and it to me kind of rang shades of. Penny Arcade, the original yeah. manager that Great Depression had. And so I had this idea of kind of making Alabama this weird kind of 1920s flapper character who also had this muscle behind her. And it really almost kind of brought Depression back full circle to where he began. Yeah. Can, can we talk about Ali for just a second? Absolutely. Because originally she was the, the Southern Belle character, right? And... Yeah. Um, I, I can't even think of the damn girl's name that was on TV. But somebody showed up on TV with basically that gimmick. You know what I mean? And a lot of times what you'll see people do is be like, well, f well fuck that. I was doing it before it was on TV. Well, as yeah. soon as somebody does it on TV, they own it. Even if they suck. You know? Like, no matter what you do or how long you've been doing it, the reaction is, oh, they're copying that shit from TV. And you see so many people at this level just dig their heels in and go, no, God damn it, I was doing it first. It's my thing. She reinvented herself when that happened. And I was, I was so impressed um, at her for, for being able to recognize that and, and not being the, the person that dug their heels in and just, you know, tried to claim it when it was a losing battle. Um, so, 
just wanted wanted to touch on that. And get no, she roses. she has she has a, a really bright disposition. Yeah. Um. She's just a she's just a ray of sunshine, man. I think I think the world of her. Um. So this our idea here was to put the lawless darkness on uh, uh, Dimitri, whom we were going to bring back in a very colorful fashion at the next event that we would have. Um, but unfortunately, uh, things didn't work out. <laughs> like, but, but, you know, this was a six-way six elimination match. These matches were t- typically determined in, in ladder matches, but the venue, the way it was laid out, kind of prohibited us from doing things like we typically do them. But yeah. I, I was happy with this idea. I felt everybody had a good stake in it. Um, I thought we, I mean, this match was to- was told really well story-wise. The eliminations happened, like they were timed so well. Well, besides the first one, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, you can. You want to talk yeah. about that? So uh, very early in the match, uh, Cody Lane and Great Depression are on the outside. Cody goes to hit a Hurricanrana... I think off the apron. Yeah. And um, um, falls off of the shoulders of depression straight down to the concrete head first, which yeah. is just a sickening stud in the you know, head injuries. Are yeah. The, like that's the last thing you want. The match we were, I was back with Cody. Yeah. Um, Albert gave me death glares and I, like started, I think there was some blame regarding the mask visibility for depression on this but that was definitely not the case no um i don't know exactly it was just one of those things that happened yeah you know uh it it, the the mask has low visibility uh and it was kind of difficult to get it fitted at the time with who we were working with but it i'm i'm just gonna say this yeah if the visibility is an issue then don't do that spot yeah exactly Like, like that's that's where i'm at with it it wasn't necessary um but yeah, so this kind of this kind of did throw kind of a, a a wrench into the original plans. Uh, Blake Christian is in this match, and he he really kind of helped glue things and get them back on pace. So hats off to him. There's a reason why he's on NXT and um, is still on NXT even after all the cuts of all the the cruiserweight guys. Yeah, so. this I mean. I have I I watched the match back and was really happy with it with you know injury withstanding. We don't have a big record for people getting hurt badly during yeah. our shows, so this was, but particularly uh, the, the the icky feeling of that was really emphasized by that. This isn't yeah. something that we're accustomed to dealing with. It does, it didn't happen very often. We I think we've in our history only had people go to the hospital a grand total of three times in the entire seven years that we were running. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, that was a, a real bummer. But Dimitri comes up at the end of this. We set up some stuff between Depression and uh, uh, Dimitri. And, of course, Ali is in there. Um, and it's kind of evident that uh, uh, Depression is uh, quarterbacking for <laughs> Ali a little yeah. bit during this. Uh, we really wanted to bring Dimitri back with this kind of interesting Russian Rasputin type gimmick that was kind of grease painty, uh, and I hope we can still do that. I hate I hate to kind of like reveal like that's a spoiler, but I I'm really high on Dimitri, and Dimitri also has a big uh, ardent love affair with uh, horror films like I do, and so I think 
I think one thing that I decided uh, about a year ago was that when Inspire came back as we were going through these shows was that I wanted to do something that kind of went back to some of the weird, crazy, creative uh, stuff that I did when we first started running the company. I know it's like not your favorite shit, yeah, yeah. but uh, it's otherwise known as ways to drive this crazy. Yeah, yeah. which whatever, dude, you love that shit. Um, I jacked my emotions over here. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, but yeah, man, it it um. It was it was a good match. Looking back on it, injury was standing. Um, we can talk about this now too. Uh, Lawless Darkness, when we do come back, has its own belt. Yeah, the, it will, the belt exists. We the belt, have it. The in belt hand. exists. Yes, and it will. It, it's it's getting a title treatment, and it will be traded. It will be a traded belt. So uh, I don't. It's not going to necessarily be like a hardcore title, but it will be interesting. We have a lot. We have big plans for it. So. Uh, the site that we use to run down the cards is a German site. I mean, Cage Match is pretty well known. You see the elimination reason for Cody on there? No, yeah, I see, yeah. Der, der Ring Rich and what does that mean? Stint. So I, I think it means that he was removed from the match. Okay, because he was. We he yeah. was clearly very injured, and we had to get him, move him to the back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just it kind of blew my mind as I saw that. Uh, and uh, so yeah, moving right along. Yeah. Dimitri's um, the lawless darkness. We've got some stuff set up with depression. But it doesn't fucking matter. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, man, we had a lot of big, big plans but, revolve, like, revol- that would have revolved around. Uh, but before the cinematic shit got done to fucking nauseum, right? Yeah, like that was something that we we kind of thought that. What if we we filmed a match between them that was shot like a horror film, before like the term cinematic match was coined and before people did them lame as fuck to fucking you know, nauseam right? Yeah, that was something that we wanted to sort of explore with those two, and it, we never really got the chance. Yeah, unfortunate, but yeah, we really wanted to. I wanted to make this my uh, colorful division here um, the just doing more lawless darkness stuff that was a little bit more dramatic a little a little more um, fantastical in nature I was really excited to have depression back Albert said something here that pissed me off in the back uh, aside from him complaining about the mask being kind of janky which it was janky but um, we were kind of down to the wire on it um, but he said to me, Congratulations, it only took you seven years to get a pop for the Great Depression. Bullshit. Depression was always over. And I think Biss, who was not wild about the character, can at least put his raging ego aside to admit <laughs> that, that uh, depression was always over. Well, hold on. You don't get to be like, this wasn't wild about the character. When was I ever anti-Great Depression? You don't like that shit, though. I, it's not like your that shit. That shit, but, like, I, depression is not something that, like, I'm, I've ever been like, oh, fuck depression. Like, Yeah, like, sure. That's like, why I, can, I can list on, on one hand the stuff that kind of annoyed me and I didn't like, but, like, the <laughs> depression was, was, if you remember, if you go back to the original episodes, that's where it was like, holy fuck, dude, I have this big dude and it'd be cool if we could wear a mask and you went, I have this character and fucking, I thought that that was great. I've never had an issue with depression. But can you at least attest to the fact that depression was never not over? 
Yeah. Like he was always hugely from over the, from day one. People popped for him. People went yeah. nuts. People were like, "Oh, this is great!" Dude, In fact, like, it was a big part of what got us attention our first year. Yeah, I think it was, it was part. Brian Alvarez actually called the character TV ready. He, was, I was really surprised to, to hear like how a lot of people on uh, specific radio shows, wrestling wrestling focused shows, talked about how this character was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so when Albert was like, "Congratulations, people finally pop," it's like, "Bitch, they always pop. They yeah, love that character." Albert's a dick. People always ask for that character back he was like our number one most requested character like they want they want that character in new york yeah i know not like that new york but new york yeah oh yeah no i mean uh valentine right yeah yeah casanova Casanova valentine was a guy who was dying to do something with him and maybe that'll happen sometime somewhere uh anyway moving right along um from from that uh strange looking back at that match uh we 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 move into a tag team match that we'd kind of built up to last uh, at the last event with uh andy dalton and moonshine mantel versus mance warner and nate webb which goddamn what a fun pairing yeah and this was they hadn't tagged before but i mean they're so they fit like a glove yeah 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 this was a this was a really fun match um this is pre-intermission correct yeah, this would. Yeah. yeah, they would have gone out and tore things to shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what. This is why you put this shit pre intermission because yeah. yeah. you know that these guys are going to go out there, bleed all over the place, and break shit and make a mess and dump out garbage cans. And then during intermission, you can kind of clean up. But uh, this was. This was. I think this was really kind of uh, watching Biss watch this match was like watching a kid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a kid like. <laughs> on Santa Claus Lane. He was yeah. just very, very happy and lit up the whole time, you know, because, you know, first you have Dalton and you have Moonshine who are very much uh, wrestlers after Biss's heart because they are very stylistically, you've got the big hoss and then you have the dirty Southern heel. And then you have these two guys who are, uh, I don't know how you would describe them. Like indie all-stars. Yes, basically. But like more from, I mean, Nate from the IWA days when that was like, yeah. that was indie wrestling. And then Warner's just a throwback. Warner's Warner, you could drop him into that that time period, and he would fit right in. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this match they went all over the venue. How and the fuck is Mance not on TV? I don't know. Maybe someday. I mean, I could see him popping up in certain promotions. Yeah. But that's a guy that that's a, I really had fun with him and. He knows how to get over with a crowd like gangbusters. I mean, there were a lot of people who were not initially familiar with him who, when he came in, people clicked. And then when he came back, they were ecstatic to see him. And that was cool with Nate, too. Yeah. But this, this is Nate's second time back. This, but this match was definitely a a tornado, man. It's It, it was... Uh, barely... Conf- it was not really confined to the ring. They went no. all over the building. Um, I believe we had some some pretty disturbing high spots where people were diving <laughs> off of uh, partition walls. Yep. <laughs> uh, there were some really crazy moments. I mean, I'm pretty sure that there were a lot of uh, chair casualties here that bummed TJ yeah. out. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but this is this was a wild-ass match that uh, I know that there were a lot of people that I saw come into the building who had never been to a wrestling show before. And when they saw this match, they lost their shit. And this is really interesting. Um, at the time we were talking about moving locations to the brewery next door yep. and uh, to, to, uh, to blue genie. And they had a, uh, they had kind of like a large space. It was like a warehouse space. that was in the back of the brewery that was accessible through many different points. It wasn't huge, but it probably would have accommodated us pretty well. 
And those people had never been to a, a live wrestling show. Yeah. I think they'd been to we, PWR. We had gone over and asked them to stay open, but it was never these people, the actual owners. Uh-huh. It would always just be like yeah. the manager on staff that day. Yeah. Um, the bar situation at Blue Genie was never great. Like they would yeah, run out of small for what we really it, it would run out of stock. It was never like re- it was never really treated as a priority, but it was clear that you could make money doing this if you gave a shit. And they clearly, I don't think, gave a shit. It was just like rent or whatever. But um, the people from um, the Brutorium came over, saw the show. And this was like, I think, one of the matches that they walked in. This might have been the match where they walked in. (laughs) And they were just watching this shit. And I was like, at first, kind of like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Like, this is like not, it's a great great match. It's a lot of fun. But it's not necessarily the match that you want to show to the venue owner that you're pitching to. Because we've done a walkthrough as well. And they came over and they had their drinks. And I was looking at them and I think they're like a married couple. uh, And they're just watching this shit unfold and they were losing their minds with joy they were like oh this is fucking great you know and i'm like oh okay these people are cool um and and we were actually talking about seriously moving in over there and even kind of uh cohabitating the space on a permanent basis with uh several other wrestling companies we had kind of big designs but then the pandemic hit I think their business kind of closed down for a while, and I know that the space that we were looking for uh, forward to inhabiting um, wound up being occupied by another business altogether, which is unfortunate. Um, it may be something that we need to look into again, but it, uh, but yeah, that that was that was really unfortunate. But yeah, this this match was nuts. Um, okay, so we're kind of at the end of of our time here, but I got to ask you: you just said something. You said you can count on one hand the things that really annoyed you. I want to ask you what things what what, what drove you nuts? Uh, Sistine. I did. I, overall, I didn't. Was it the, the gimmick though, or was it the guy in the gimmick? The, it was the guy in the gimmick. Okay. The guy in the gimmick. See, I feel like we could have yeah. put Sistine on somebody who was really great, and it would have been a different. Um, Potentially, yeah. Yeah, it would have been a different situation. It, but but and those are usually the cases. It's usually that it's it's something that we're we're being creatively aggressive with, but the the person that we have to do it is not getting limited pulling it off limited right? yeah. yeah um so okay sistine yeah sistine sistine um and this is an, another case I, I thought that there was really something with the orphans and it, i think the yeah just kind of petering out instead well of being that would be what I, I thought it could have been that was mainly because we had people yeah. who were being non-committal i think and I, I wouldn't call that one like something i was annoyed with just you were frustrated, frustrated with, with how it, it played out. And then the same would go with um, what came of Legion, right? Legion just kind of disappeared. Yeah. But I think Legion had legs. But Because it was so big mm-hmm. in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and the, the main the main one would be the, the Sistine thing. Um, I guess that's really it. I, I don't have many complaints. Um, I'm, I have trepidation about some of those things. I'll give you one some credit, too. Sure. Like, uh, I was very, very cautious about the uh, Epileptic Caesars, um, and they ended up being great. Yeah. I mean, but that wasn't something where we're like, okay, we're going to fucking, this is going to be a top-level drawing tag team. It was just a fun little... It was something to do with guys that... Man, I'm surprised you didn't say anything about Ultimo's sex symbol. Uh, It worked. It did. 
It worked. I don't mind underdogs. And I don't mind that shit on underdogs, you know? Like, I think, like, and I think that was definitely the case with the Caesars, yeah. too. It was uh, it was more about wrapping these guys who might otherwise get lost in the card uh, and giving them color, yeah. doing something that really kind of... So I, uh, personally, I think that you can take the most middle of the road, not to call anybody in this conversation middle of the road, but like you can take somebody who maybe is deficient in terms of certain aspects of physical performance or image or, or, or whatever, and you can wrap them up and it, it can, it can really, yeah. I, I think to the, um, really push them and make them popular. honestly, a, a character that you might think would annoy me that didn't was the Hollywood strangler. Cause we pushed him, we pushed him fairly heavily in the feud he was in, but I always thought that that would be a cool character to be able to to call back on the and the strangler then, was great um i i wish we could have done more with him um dude that's a character maybe we should revive at yeah. some point yeah because i mean the person behind it just kind of left wrestling yeah know, just decided not wasn't really involved with wrestling yeah. anymore but that that was a cool preliminary character that had a good good gimmick to i like the red scare yeah yeah, we never we never got to really get into what the Red Scare could be too. I feel the Red like, Scare could have been a badass. I felt like I kind of was distracted from doing more colorful stuff when I got really into just angles and feuds and stuff. I yeah. kind of I kind of lost sight of it, but also I was really discouraged with how uh, uh, how depression was hijacked from me and kind of ridden into the ground. And and I realized that I didn't I don't know I wasn't certain that I could get away with doing a lot of the stuff that I wanted. I think, I think now with how this last show went, where I saw how depression was received, I really want to try when we come back to really honor and explore characters that are more colorful being treated very seriously. Like, I don't honestly, I think if, if someone conceived of the undertaker today, I don't think they would have treated him with the same uh, gravity that he had yeah. back in the uh, back in the time where he it was be, conceived it would of be initially. A big joke. Uh, I yeah, heard, I heard somebody look at Bray Wyatt. Yeah, yeah, I heard somebody explain it like today, people want their their baby faces to be people that they can relate to, and they want their heels to be cartoons, so that they don't have to hate the person. You know. Yeah. They they want that like. They want that over the top heel, so they can they can sit there and, and be like, "Oh, I'm I'm in on it. I I I appreciate that he's getting heat on me," versus actually wanting to see that person get their ass kicked. Yeah, and uh, that just that may just be what wrestling crowds are now. But I, in my heart of hearts, I still want a heel that people generally dislike and want to see get beat. So you have that moment where the hero finally comes up and gets his big moment. Like, yeah. I, I hope that that's not completely lost in the thing of the past. I don't but think it is. It, I think I think that's why I was so excited with Steve-O to some extent. Because yeah. I felt like he could have really cornered the market on being that real actual human heel. Yeah. He, it, his work to me was always great. He always came off as righteous. He had like the same righteousness as like, you know, a Vader type character. Yeah, like the, the heel has to be has to be right in some ways. He just has to be wrong in about the way he goes about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, that, we're gonna we're gonna wrap today, and we'll uh, complete our coverage of the last ecstasy of gold. 
uh, our, our final event as Inspire Pro on our, our next program, and we'll even get into some other stuff that uh, was occurring when we had to shut her up. But anyway, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next week.